All right, welcome back to another episode of After the Siren. I am your host, Nisha Hapel, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host who insists on introducing himself. Take the mic. I took the mic. My name's Jarvis. Hello. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Try to do something a little bit different. Anyway, welcome, welcome back. We have a nice... I'm going to say shortish, sharp episode. Yes, I guarantee we'll come back to 40 minutes anyway. Yeah, we'll probably keep rambling on and rambling on and then not want to cut any of it out. Nope. But um, <laughs> we're set out to do a nice quick wrap up of the weekend's events and a couple of news stories as per usual. But considering there is no games to uh, come this weekend, we are going to do a little bit of brown load chat and then wrap it up. So um, coming up this episode, we've got uh, talking about some of the uh, injuries that are... Coming uh, out of the weekend's game might affect this side of the grand final side, sorry, I should say. Um, We've got some players being delisted and terminating their contracts, and we've got some more potential coach talk um, as to who could take that key spot at Carlton. And then, as I mentioned, some Brownlow predictions or a top five Top uh, 10, top something. We're not doing a top 10. I don't <clears> have time for that. It will end up being an hour-long episode. Anyway, how are you going, Jarvis? Um, I'm on cloud nine. Um, yeah, I would have sh- thought so. Um, wow, you said that with no enthusiasm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sh- yeah shush, I'm Jarvis. jealous. I'm um, a yeah, jealous well, girl. you should be. Um, yeah, no, I'm on cloud nine. I'm really happy. I mean, the Dogs and Melbourne really played the best games, I think, of the season, if you could say that. I mean... Um, my gosh, if these were the two best teams of the entire season, mm. and it's only deserving that they are both in the grand final. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. I, I hope it is too. I think the last, and what did I say? I should have, I should have came straight out with this. You've probably said it I, on the podcast I've, at I've some ca- point. I, I called this back in whenever the episode was when Melbourne and Dogs faced that week, which was, I think, round like 10. No, it would have been round nine because they moved. It was initially round ten, moved it. It would have been probably like episode uh, 17, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I called that Melbourne won against Dogs. I said the Dogs were going to win the rematch later that later the in the rounds. Mm. They did. And then I also predicted that the grand final would be Melbourne versus Dogs for the rubber match. Mm. And what has happened? I am clairvoyant. I'm a, I'm a future. I'm a psychic. I know everything about your future and past. He is I, future. I am the future. <laughs> I am the future. I just love getting uh, Jarvis into a little bit of a rant sometimes, and he just keeps going, and I just sit back, relax, let him take the mic. But no, it's a very, very good call by you, and I am, for one, I'm quite astonished that um, Port were not able to even show up for a second. I really thought they had a bit more than that in them, particularly with the home ground advantage. You've heard me harp on about home ground advantages for long enough this year to know that it's it's a big factor. Um, and, I'm, and I usually do get those things right, get those feelings right. But obviously you had the Bulldogs backed for yep. no matter what the circumstances <laughs> had, were. and Had faith in them the entire time. 100%. Absolute props to you. I wish I could have that kind of faith in my footy team, but maybe we're a few years away from that still. Anyway... <laughs> As you mentioned, some really, really top quality footy over the weekend. I might go first with my top footy moment. Might as well. Um, But again, if you guys want to send in your top footy moment, we are still accepting for grand final top footy moments. We are accepting those as well. So please send them through to us at After the Siren Podcast 
on Instagram. Now my top footy moment comes from the Melbourne Geelong game and I think you guys know where this is going but it has to be Max Gorn with his five goals, with his absolute bag. And some of those Outrageous. goals are goals that you just don't expect a Ruckman to kick, mm-hmm. like coming out of the centre, getting the, the handoff from, from Christian Petrarca and then bombing it from basically outside 50. He was just absolutely everywhere and you know, talk about a captain's performance getting your team through. I know that there was a lot of people that contributed on Friday night, but mm-hmm. um, you know, absolutely best on ground performance by Max Gorn. I was and more stunned. It was amazing. I was more stunned with his goal from um, inside their fifty out mm-hmm. of the uh, the the rock contest. He just picked it up and just kicked it. it fell on the mm-hmm. ground as well and just ha- happened to kick a goal. Mm-hmm. I was uh, uh, Maxi Gorn should not do this. But somehow he's done this. He has. He's done the absolute unbelievable. And that's what we love to see in finals and prelim footy. I was a bit disappointed the games were not closer. <laughs> were we had we had two absolute blowout games. Um, and I look forward to some of those battles of people, uh, teams really being determined to, to make the grand final. But hopefully the contest we get in the granny will be one of the closer ones in recent times. Maybe a little bit like that Collingwood West Coast match back in 2018, where it was a late goal that decided the game. Um, um, but yes, speaking of weekend's footy, top footy moment, what was yours? Um, yeah, so my top footy moment um, is going to be a bit of a cop-out, but Niche did the same thing a few weeks ago with uh, an entire midfield, so um, I'm going to do the same, and it's going to be the whole entire Dogs midfield. They're the ones that <laughs> won this game um, against Port. They essentially um, are. They, they are the bread and butter. They're the soul of the team, I want to say. I mean, if I read off the stats here, you got McRae, 36 disposals. Uh, Trelaw, one goal, two points, 23 disposals. Smith kicked four goals and 23 disposals. Dunkley had 22 disposals. Hunter had 22 disposals. Bont had two goals and 20 disposals. Mm. It, it just really came from, from our midfield. I mean, obviously, um, we rested them towards the fourth quarter, as mm. Melbourne did um, in their yeah, game. You, you take your guns off the field and just rest the legs. You don't want anything stupid to happen in the last... <laughs> dying stages of a game that you're going to win. And, and that's the thing. Like, that's where Bont's injuries pretty much come from. That's where mm. freaking Bruce's injury came from. So, mm. um, very smart It definitely ideas. happens. It definitely yeah, happens. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, well done to the to the Dogs midfield. Um, well done to Trelaw. He was copping criticism after criticism. And I was going to point that out. I'm glad he came back. I feel really good for Adam Trelaw. I think yeah. that he, of all people, cops a lot for a guy that, you know, really keeps... Yeah, I think he holds himself and carries himself really well. And he seems to cop a lot. He copped a lot around the Collingwood um, time saying that, you know, he wasn't going to Queensland to follow his partner up there and follow his partner and child as she set off on her netball career. Um, And he was like, no, I can stay in Melbourne while she goes to Queensland. And people didn't take that very well. And and he... um, he just redirected the story and said, this story isn't even about me and where I'm going. It's actually about the fact that she's, um, you know, forging a yeah. professional netball career for herself. And I, I really, really came to like his character, um, particularly after that response to that backlash. And um, in terms of this situation, there's no better response to backlash than coming out and kicking a goal and, and racking up a, a large number of disposals in a, in a prelim final. So, And it's a weird one him. because he got so much criticism for that... Um, What's it called? The the semi final game yeah. against uh, Brisbane Lions. But if you go back the past two weeks before that, the first finals week when it was um, the elimination finals, mm. he racked up. Hold on, let me just pull it up here. He racked up twenty eight disposals and a point. Mm. Like, and then the game before that, which was the Port Adelaide game, he racked up I think twenty disposals and a goal. So I don't understand where 
I, I might be contradicting myself because I can't remember what I said about Trello last week. I mean, he was getting copped with a lot of criticism, but it's just like he has one bad game, and then everyone like puts a lot of um, lot of negativity towards him, and it's just a bit weird. Like I thought my my main concern was him, his running speed because of the syndesmosis. That was my main concern. I felt like he wasn't confident in his running. That had nothing to do with his ability to play. It was just that I don't know if he was confident in producing the speeds that he did at the start of the season. Yeah, no, I think syndesmosis is something that can definitely take it out of you and um, and really knock you back. And there are an injury that can return and yeah. can be a repetitive thing. So it's always going to be in the back of your mind. But um, no, I think he's absolutely come back flying. And there's yeah, no better way to shut up the critics than have a blinder performance so um what a blinder that ad makes me cry <laughs> if you don't know what we're referring to not Watch sure why me. you're listening to this podcast it's the nab ad well the it's not no it's google it's mm-hmm. the google ad mm-hmm. uh, i don't know why i thought nab because nab usually have it some, sounds like a nab it ad, does sound like a nab but it's it's, it's a the google, google one it's the google ad. anyway, anyway. <laughs> shall we speaking get of players that are you know really known for their running speed he had two games. But that okay. was a real it was a stretch. fast stretch. It's a, it's a stretch. I'm just trying to do these segues all the time, and sometimes I just need to introduce a story yeah, like a normal need, human I was, being. I was literally just going to try to save your butt and be like, should we go into our news story? And, <laughs> yes. But you instead- yes, we <laughs> should go into our news story. Story one, we are going to talk about kind of a shock news story that came yeah, in uh, yesterday, um, and that is talking about Irving Mosquito terminating his contract with Essendon. Wow, you really, <laughs> really, really went threw for you the, under uh, the bus yeah. there. He was um, mid gin and tonic sip. <laughs> um, yeah, so after being granted leave from the club uh, to work on his rehab, obviously he had that injury in. I want to say, what was the game? What was the? It was the game after the dream time, wasn't it? That he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he went home back to Halls Creek in WA. Um, he has decided that he does not want to come back home to play footy at an elite level. So pretty much the injury was an ACL injury. Um, obviously, that's the three letters that you dread in footy and it can be really emotionally taxing. So really, really good of the club to allow him to go back and you know complete his rehab there. But um, it might have actually been hindered. more detrimental and hindered um, his want to come back to Melbourne. And even come back at an elite level. Yeah, so um, obviously uh, Mosquito was um, selected in with pick 38 in the 2018 draft. Obviously went to Essendon um, and he made his exciting debut in the um, Sir John Nicholas round in 2020. Um, obviously that was uh, the Indigenous round, if you do not know. Um, he did have a good game. I think he kicked a couple goals He there did too. kick a couple goals and, and he... Really brought a, a buzz of excitement nice. to. <laughs> nice. He did bring some excitement to the group, especially um, last year when they weren't particularly firing. Um, and he's just one of those players that you thought was going to be one of those cult figures for the club. Um, and he, he was under really good guidance there with some fantastic um, players over there, and you know, particularly small forwards such as uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip, and Woody, and um, yeah. yeah people that he would learn off. Jake Stringer's got a wealth of knowledge behind him as well. So he was in, in really good hands, but, um, you know, heading home to your family and not wanting to come back is, is very understandable, particularly in this ta- these times with COVID. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the players, if they got the chance to go back to their family, they, you know, I think a surprising amount would take that um, over playing a game of footy sometimes. 
how old is he? Because I'm sure he's not that old. He would have been, if he was picked in 2018 draft, he would have been, what, He's about 20. There. 20? He's yeah. about 20 years old. So if, realistically, if he did come back, say, in about a couple of years, he's still not, like, it's not like we haven't seen that before in football, that someone older coming back into the maybe the VFL. Yeah, but what does surprise that. me is that um, he's just said he doesn't want to come back at an elite yeah. level. Usually it's players that, um, you know, call it quits for, you know, maybe mental health reasons or, or other reasons like that, and I'm sure that will play a part into his decision, but I, I don't think that at this stage it was pretty clear cut someone terminating an existing contract not seeing their contract out um it's a pretty it's a pretty big call from him yeah well talking about contracts um obviously the contract for carlton's uh senior coach is still up for grabs Very do you want to run so. us through um who possibly could be in the mix this time I shall now, I'll keep it quick because the Carlton coach train is one that seems to be never ending. It's like a it's a rotating door that, you know, they walk in and they walk straight back out at the moment. So, um, some would say it's just like the city loop. You just go around and around (laughs) and around. The Teague train just, you know, got booted, just got booted straight back out. But anyway, um, some of the names that have popped up are the likes of Michael Voss and Don Pike. I think uh, we'll talk a little bit about Michael Voss today because um, there's been a little bit of coverage about why he's uh, a potentially a good fit. And he did come out and say that he would not turn down an offer uh, or at least a conversation about a role at Carlton. Unlike Alistair Clarkson and Ross Lyon, they have already turned down the position. So uh, Voss coached uh, 109 games for the Lions, obviously after his very, very illustrious AFL career. He's been labelled as one of the 50 best players of all time in the AFL and the VFL. Um, I think that he could bring a really good experience and strict approach to the club. I think Carlton really, really need that at the moment. And I think that um, just the fact that he's been behind the scenes at some of the really, really good clubs. Um, He's been obviously with Port Adelaide for a little while. And I think it's probably a really good fit for Carlton. Mm -hmm. Now, the other one is Don Pike. Um, Not so much been in, in the front of the media, but I've had some some big Carlton fans point to him and say he's the answer. So if that's the case, hopefully the head of football at Carlton can get on the phone to him and bring a little bit uh, of experience and, and strictness. And I don't want to make it sound like we need a coach that's going to come in and, and make it miserable. That's not the case. But I think there does need to be some discipline involved. You know, you have to be able to have a, a level of respect for the coach so that you want to work for the coach now. I've yeah. talked a lot, but do you have anything to, to add to any of that? No, and you know, you probably know the Carlton Football Club better than I do, but um, it seemed like under the, the Teague trend, it was a bit, bit messy. Um, it didn't seem like the players and the coach... I mean, this is all, like, just hypothetical... Not hypotheticals, but, like... Like, what we've analysed. Yeah, what we've analysed, and it might be completely wrong. We don't know, because we're not inside the football club. Um, but, you know, it seemed like a bit of a mess. It didn't seem like they were all really clicking as Wasn't well as on the, like No to. one was on the same page. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you need a bit of a stricter coach, and we see it with the Brisbane Lions, mm-hmm. um, with their coach... Oh, I've forgotten the name. Chris Fagan. Fagan. Fagan, you know, gives them a spray. And they go out there and perform. You Just know? a coach that is able to give a little bit of emotion back and genuinely looks disappointed when, when it doesn't go the yeah. way they wanted. And it's fine to show emotion in football. Particularly, I think, 
a lot of these men come from backgrounds where, you know, men don't show emotion and stuff, but you've got some absolute classic images of, you know, Clarkson puncturing the wall in the coach's box. And whilst I'm not suggesting we have a coach come in and absolutely mess up a coach's box, but um, that kind of passion, it just proved how much he cared and, and how involved and how, you know, how much it affected him personally that his team wasn't doing what he wanted them to do. Now, I think we'll move on from the Carlton stuff, but there's a little bit of updates in the Collingwood coaches box. We have a couple of well-known names uh, joining the Collingwood coaching team. This yeah. obviously follows the appointment of Craig McRae that we discussed the other week. Now, Justin Lepich has landed a role at Collingwood as their head of strategy and Brendan Bolton as the director of coaching at Collingwood. So, obviously, Brendan Bolton being the former Carlton coach before David Teague. So very interesting moves happening behind the scenes at Collingwood and to see if it can have a real impact on what's happening in the coach's box. You would hope so because Collingwood's in the mud at the moment. Um, yeah, well, hard Talking to about some go. people that are in the mud. Oh, great segue. <laughs> there we'll we go. go she, she's little, done it well that we'll time. We'll go into a bit of an injury update. I mean, actually, to be fair, none of these people are really in the mud. Well, maybe, maybe the last person, but... He still has something very positive to talk about. Anyway, we'll start off with Stephen May, obviously, the uh, All-Australian uh, backman for uh, Melbourne. Mm. Um, he was grabbed, He grabbed his right hamstring after losing a uh, marking contest in the first quarter. He returned back to the field in the second term, but was subbed out in the third quarter once the win was secure. Obviously, uh, Melbourne had quite a, uh, a dominant victory, so mm. it was easy for them to rest their players quite early in the game. Like Stephen May, obviously you don't want May not to be in that grand final side because he is very de- detrimental to that backline at Melbourne. He sure uh, is. May said on Saturday he pulled up as good as I had hoped, uh, which signals all Melbourne fans that he will be fit to play in that grand final series. He also seemed untroubled by the uh, tight hamstring in the uh, team's training yesterday, which was Monday. Yes, and the next one to come out, it's another hamstring issue, was Latham Vandermeer for the Dogs came out of the game a little bit early. He's got a history with soft tissue uh, damages, uh, and um, I think that is probably going to be the only nervous moments for Bulldogs fans. Yeah, obviously, um, uh, Vandermeer said to, to Bevo after the game, I would, I would believe, that he uh, didn't feel like he had a nasty injury. Obviously, I think reports came out today about um, him and Alex Keith needing to do tests for their hamstrings, obviously, to see mm. if they're fit for the grand final. Um, initially, it seemed like Bevo was a bit on the um, off chance that Vandermeer will play in that uh, grand final, just because it seemed like if he was going to run anymore in that preliminary, his, his hamstring was going to explode. Um, but uh, that's why they pulled him off pretty early. So... We'll have to see how uh, the next kind of week, week and a half shapes up to for a few of these players. Um, but obviously, wanting to play a grand final, getting that win, holding up the premiership is something that both May, Vandermeer, Alex Keith, um, even some, just all the players just want to play for. So obviously, um, they're going to try their best to recover over the next couple of weeks, which is probably the most beneficial thing coming out of this kind of COVID period, to be honest with you. 
Yes, and the last player to, uh, I guess, a really big name that will not be playing in the grand final is Nathan Jones of the Melbourne Football Club. Now, he's not injured, but he has headed home for the birth of his uh, beautiful twins who were born on Sunday morning uh, at 7.55 and 7.56 in the morning. Um, So uh, his partner, Jerry, gave birth to Odie and Dove. And they are beautiful, beautiful. And you can see exactly why Nathan made that choice to head home and be there for that really special moment. Um, It does come as a little bit of a sadder story. He's been an absolute cult hero for the Demons through some of their harder times. But I think Max Gorn put it really nicely where he said he won't be remembered for the hard times. He'll be remembered for building the club back up and making the club really great. I think... Max Gorn's one to, to say a, a nice, sweet quote every now and then. But um, <laughs> I think it is very, very much so the right decision for him to head home. And I think he knows that the Ds are in really good hands, obviously led by Max oh, Gorn yeah. and, and Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca. I think he'd have full confidence in his teammates there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's well you know when you're not on the side and it seemed like he wasn't in the side for quite a while um especially with i mean it's just hard for him to be played when you, they've got so many stars and so many elite uh talents in the melbourne side so it sucks for him he's played 300 games he's not going to be able to uh play that grand final that he's kind of helped rebuild that melbourne side and mm. the culture behind it so I mean, it is what it is, um, but hopefully he can cheer on um, with his newly born uh, twins and uh, possibly enjoy a uh, uh, the first Melbourne Premiership in 50-odd years. 57 years it 57 is. 57 years. There you go. Now, we'll move on to our Brownlow predictions now. Very, very important time of the year is when the best and the fairest player of the league and of the season is announced it will take place this sunday night and do you have any idea who you're putting as your top pick now am i allowed to talk about my betting or no (laughs) because i've had bonds on for the brown low at seven seven to one i think it was seven (laughs) seven to one and i had him at like i think round two like, mm. I put that on and I'm like, really, I'll, I'll find it. You Talk about <laughs> who you think is going to win the Brownlow. I was going to throw it to you first. And the the answer is, yes, you're allowed to talk about your betting. But no, we don't endorse it. No. And um, love the game, not the odds is is our saying. So um, I think I've definitely got a clear idea of definitely my top three. My top five is probably where it could be a little bit interchangeable. But um. Uh, are you ready to go? Or? Yeah, so I placed this Bontempelli bet for 7-1. to one. Mm-hmm. I put it on on the 28th of the 3rd. I put it all the way back in March. You did too. That um, was a... Uh, besides the last three games of the, uh, three games of the season, was a pretty pretty good bet. And are you sticking with the Bont as your top Absolutely. player? Absolutely. I yeah. can't go past the Bont. Of course I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, obviously, I think if he was going to win the, the Brown though, it'd be this year. I think me and Nish have had discussions because of the injuries with Trelaw and Dunkley. It means that he was able to kind of fill their positions a bit more um, and not have to spread the load as they're doing now with yep. the midfield that they have. Not so have those votes kind of taken away. Exactly. It's it. a big so factor. I'm going to go with Bontepelli. Obviously, you have other names I'm sure Nish is going to talk about. Mm. Um, so I'll let you do that. And then I'll tell you what the AFL 
Brownlow predictor has in terms of who's winning, who's losing. Now, my prediction for the number one spot is going to Ollie Wines. I think he's had a phenomenal season and I think he was one of those players for me that flew under the radar a little bit. I think I'm not necessarily one that tunes into Port Adelaide games a, a huge amount, but going back and, and looking at the stats, it's really clear to me that he has had a phenomenal year. He's been up there um, and I think this is his year to, year to shine. Um, that being said, I will give my number two spot to the Bont. I think it's going to be really, really close between those two. Do you have a second place at the moment? Um, I'll do a quick top five because I'm looking at I'm looking at the Brownlee predictor now, and you that's would not, cheating. You would you wouldn't believe where Ollie Wines is at. I couldn't I could not tell you where Ollie Wines is at. You'd be flabbergasted. But I'll get into it in a second. Mm-hmm. My top five, obviously mm-hmm. Bont's number one. Yeah. I honestly would say it's going to be Ollie Wines number two, if not number three. Um, I think he, as you said, has a phenomenal season, and I don't think anyone's really going to steal votes off him. Mm. Um, the only issue is that they have lost to all top eight sides. So is that... But they still managed to finish they still, in the top four. Well, I mean, four. sorry, they did, they did win against dogs, but, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, because we beat them anyway. Suck it. Um, my number three is going to be probably Oliver. Um, he's had a tremendous mm. season. I think after that will probably be either Petrarca. It, actually, you know, I'll chuck Petrarca there, and then I think finally it'd either be Parish or Steele in the fifth place. Yeah, I think that's a really good top five. Um, I think that, um, I think that the Oliver Petrarca deal is really yeah. going to be a tricky one because yeah. you know they're in this playing in the same midfield. But I am going to go Petrarca for my third spot. My fourth spot is going to Jack Steele. Ooh. And my fifth spot, I'm squeezing Sam Walsh in there. Yeah, I think, it's a fair call. I think a that call. there are games that he plays where Carlton loses, where there's he no argument. The there's yeah. still no argument that he was the best player on the ground. And I think that is really going to work in his favor. I think uh, even if he is the best player on ground, he he might not get the three votes, but he would definitely get a vote. Well, if he's the best player on the ground, he'll get the three votes undoubtedly yeah, they're a player they're true he um, did everything he did everything you're not, you're not wrong I, and i'm I not going to sit here and argue about how sam how good sam walsh is everybody knows everyone's going to back <laughs> me up and that no, the, the way that the voting is done if you like yes it does matter if your team won games because it typically means you played better but if yeah. he managed to play with that insane form in games where they lost and he was the best on the ground by a mile, he's wrong. still going to get the three votes. You're absolutely not wrong. I'm not I saying every not, week. I'm, I'm not saying every week either. I think if he's... When you guys won, he was the best player on ground. When you guys lost, he was either... Still the best player he was, on he was the either, ground. He was either second best or he's the best player on ground. It also depends heavily on who we were playing. Yeah, and, and if you look at the top eight sides, which when you're looking at someone like Bont, Oliver... Uh, wines, you could argue still a little bit in the early part of the season. Those were your top eight sides. Mm. Like there were a few of your top eight sides. So obviously, with Walshy not being in the top eight sides, I reckon I don't disagree with you at all. I think he will poll very well in the Brownlow. I think if he does not make at least the top five, it'd be very stunning to me, mm. but it wouldn't be shocking to me. If you look at the year, for instance, Chris Judd won. For Carlton, it was not our best season. 
We yeah. did not win a lot of games. It is possible to win a Brownlow without having won oh, every game for the season. So I'll just put that out there because the past few years it has gone to players from it's successful teams. Yeah, it's been very predictable. You know, Neil was a given. And yeah, I just think that before that, Fife was probably a little bit more of a shocker. But um, still, it's Nat Fife. He can, he can pull out a win at any time. And then, you know, obviously we've got um, some winners from grand final teams in in Dusty Martin yeah. as well so it's it's it's, tu- it's i think it's going to be a tough call this year will probably be the toughest call in the past couple of years obviously last year was a no brainer with with uh Neil like he won it before they mm. even got to round 20 i think yeah um but you know i i'm interested i'm invested i'm going to be hoping the bond takes it home every step of the way but it is what it is if it doesn't. Now I mean, tell me I'm on the edge of my seat what the AFL seat. have predicted because it's the be-all and end-all. Well, okay, so <laughs> let's get this first and foremost. No one knows what the votes are. No. No one knows, un- uh, not even all the umpires I think all footy, fi- all footy fans are pretty clear yes. on that. So this predictor that I've got on the AFL official app does not tell me who's actually going to win. It's based so off stats. But it's the on things, stats. The things that people can't tell is how the p- players behave on, on the ground. ground. Yeah. And if they had, you know, a, a, a Which, situation of backtalk with the umpires, it's going to take away from their votes. Which I think is why Bontempelli might pull up a little bit higher because he hasn't argued. He's a lovable, he's, he's a lovable he's, lad. He's the golden child, baby. He's the I golden would argue child. that Ollie Wines is, is pretty lovable. Very but true. His only issue is that he runs out for Port Adelaide. <laughs> Anyway, so at the moment, the AFL, uh, uh, the AFL app has uh, uh, Clayton Oliver with 34 votes, mm-hmm. Marcus Bontempelli with 32 votes, mm-hmm. Jack Steele with 29, Darcy Parrish with 26, Christian Petrarca with 25, and that is your top five. Mm. You're trying to count how far down I think, Ollie I think Wines is. Ollie Wines is at like 12th position on this. Well, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't always. It doesn't. It doesn't always pave I, the way. Don't. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I mean, I thought this this predictor wasn't completely off basis, but I thought it was. You know, it could be fairly close. And saying that Ollie Wines is that far down, it's like he's kind of the front runner at the moment. I think on mm. most people's lists, and yeah. I mean, we'll just have to c- kind of see what happens. Brownlow night, eh? I think we will have to see what happens Brownlow night. And I think that is all we have time for this evening before Jarvis tries to throw some more spanners at me. But again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have had so much fun bringing you this podcast. Oh, yeah. And we are so pumped to bring you next week's grand final episode and so keen for the grand final in a couple weeks' time. Obviously, Jarvis is probably not going to sleep for the next two weeks because he's no, got I'll so sleep. many nerves. <laughs> I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm not the one playing. I'm just going to rock up on the day. Mate, if Carlton make a grand final, you would catch sleeping. me not sleeping yeah, I know, for, yeah, for so I know long. You, yeah. um, but again, if you would like to find us on social media, you can find our Instagram at After the Siren Podcast. You can find our Twitter at After the Siren underscore. And you can find our personal Instagrams in the description. Thank you and have a lovely day, guys.